Good evening, folks. Thank you for joining us in this format tonight. Uh, we trust that this will be a very meaningful service uh, to you and your family. I do want to ask you to go ahead and prepare your elements at home of the grape juice and bread if you have not had a chance uh, to get the elements together. Now would be a good time uh, to do that. But we do want to emphasize tonight that we will be doing scripture readings, uh, various scripture readings that describe this particular night, the night that Jesus was betrayed and he rest, arrested, and then he'll be put on trial through the evening, and then on Friday he'll be crucified. And so we trust that tonight's readings and the meditation that we do upon the scripture will be very meaningful to you. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer at this time. Father, we're so grateful that we can come together as the body of Christ. It may be a different format, but Lord, we stand on the promise that where two or three are gathered together in your name, you're in our midst. Lord, we ask you to be among us tonight wherever our people are gathered together, that through the power of your Holy Spirit and through your word, you would speak to our hearts and that the name of the Lord Jesus would be high and lifted up. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. It was two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The religious leaders who collaborated with the Roman occupation were conspiring against Jesus. They had gathered in the palace of Caiaphas, the high priest. This man had received the high priesthood under the hand of Valerius Gratus, the former Roman governor, and now retained the office under Pontius Pilate. They were all planning to quietly arrest and destroy Jesus so as to avoid a revolt among the Jews. Then one of the twelve named Judas son of Simon the Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What will you give me if I deliver Jesus to you for the governor? When they heard the offer, they were glad and promised Judas 30 pieces of silver. From that hour, he sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. At the beginning of the feast, when the Passover lamb was sacrificed, the disciples of Jesus approached him and asked, where do you wish us to prepare the Passover meal? Jesus took two of his disciples and instructed them, Go into the city, and you will see there a man carrying a water jar. He will show you a suitable place. The two did as Jesus commanded. They entered the city where they found the man with the water jar, who brought them to a large upper room. When evening had come, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, I tell you truly, one of you is going to betray me. The disciples were stunned with grief and began to protest one after the other. Surely not I. Jesus replied, the betrayer is one of you dipping his hand in the dish with me. The son of man is fulfilling scripture, but woe to that man through whom the son of man is betrayed. Then Judas slipped out into the night. Once again, I want to 
I want to ask you to have the elements ready, the, the grape juice and the bread. Also have your Bibles open. If you would open to uh, Matthew 26 and also Hebrews chapter 10. And you know, the Bible tells us that before we partake of the Lord's Supper together, we need to examine ourselves and not come to this moment in an unworthy manner. So as the following song is played, can I ask you to bow your heads and sit quietly before the Lord and prepare your hearts for the observance together of communion.
like to begin in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26 and then we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10 and then we'll come back to Matthew 26. But I want you to notice verse 26 it says as they were eating. No doubt what we are intended to see here is that Jesus and his disciples were celebrating together the Passover and the Passover meal. I want you to think about what a sobering time this was for Jesus and the disciples. A very moving time. A very emotional time. Because Jesus has spoken to them about what would happen to him uh, in Jerusalem, where they are, that he would be arrested and crucified. Uh, he also indicates during this particular time frame that one of them will betray him. And so I'm sure as they're sitting at the meal together, their hearts and minds are filled with a great deal of emotion. And as we think about the Passover meal, what Jesus would be doing here would, would be gathering up in their hearts the rich history that they had together as a people ever since the days of Exodus 12 when God had told them to kill a lamb and spread the blood uh, over the doorpost and the lintel because that night uh, the angel of death was going to pass over their homes and would strike the firstborn of the Egyptians and then the Egyptians would drive them out of Egypt in the Exodus. And so year after year, the Jews had celebrated together the Passover. And so as Jesus and his disciples are reclining there at the table, Jesus is gathering up in their hearts and minds this, this rich biblical history and what Jesus is about to do is give a new meaning, a new meaning that will come with the new covenant. The old covenant had the lambs that were sacrificed. Uh, but in the new covenant, Jesus would be the sacrificial lamb. And he would give his life and shed his blood in a once-for-all sacrifice that would never need to be repeated. And so what Jesus is about to do is speak to his disciples about how he is the fulfillment of the Old Covenant. Henceforth, the Old Covenant with its sacrifices 
will be rendered obsolete. And God will not be dealing with people anymore on the basis of the Old Covenant or the Old Covenant sacrifices. Jesus is about to point out, as I mentioned, that he's the new Passover lamb who will take away sin. This is why he had come. And so all of their future hope would be in him. And our future hope, our hope for the present and the future is in Christ and Christ alone. Now, I mentioned finding Hebrews chapter 10. I want to read some from Hebrews 10. And I would actually encourage you this evening to read chapters 8 and 9 also. I'm starting in chapter 10 for the sake of time. But I want you to notice what the writer of Hebrews is doing in these chapters. He's giving the contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And listen to what he says in verse 1 of chapter 10. He says, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You are not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. First Christ said... You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Then I want you to look over at verse 17. 
It says, then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. And so, folks, I want you to understand that in Christ, our sins are both forgiven and forgotten. That's good news. In fact, that's the best news of all, that your sins and my sins are forgiven and forgotten because of what Jesus did on the cross when he died for us. With that in mind, I want to I ask you to turn back to Matthew 26. And as you turn to Matthew 26, the scripture says that as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And then the scripture says he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine. This is a little cup that Connie and I purchased several years ago when we were over in Israel. The scripture says here that Jesus took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. And Jesus said there about his shed blood that it is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And I love the way he closed there. He said, mark my words. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus points out that you and I, because of his sacrifice, we have a glorious future waiting for us in heaven. And one day in heaven, we will be seated together with the Lord. And Jesus says here that he will drink this wine again with us in his Father's kingdom. You and I have a blessed hope indeed. In the meantime, until Jesus comes, I want you to think about what the writer of Hebrews went on to say in Hebrews chapter 10. 
he said, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of, of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Do you hear what the writer of Hebrews is saying? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ uh, on the cross for our sins. He's opened up the way into the Holy of Holies, into the Father's presence. And through Christ, we can go, and not just go, but we can go bold, boldly, he says, into the Father's presence. Through Christ, we have forgiveness, but we also have access to God. And we need to be taking advantage of that access that daily we go before God in prayer, studying his word and in prayer and spending time with the Father. And then we need to be meeting together as we're able and encouraging one another to love and good deeds and doing so all the more as the day of Christ approaches and so we have this blessed hope the hope of the forgiveness of our sins access into God's presence and then the glorious hope of being in heaven with Jesus one day and until then being found faithful in the body of Christ and as we pray let's also surrender our hearts and lives afresh and anew to being the, the body of Christ called to be on mission with the Lord in a broken and fallen world. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, we do have the forgiveness of our sins. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. But Lord, if we come through him, we have the promise, not only of sins forgiven, but access into your presence. And we have the promise of a future home where we will be with you throughout all eternity in heaven. Lord, thank you for what you have done for us. We could have never achieved this on our own. Because we're sinners. But Lord, you have given us this gift, the gift of eternal life and forgiveness and the assurance of heaven. 
And so, Lord, help us until we're in heaven with you one day to be found faithful that we would live for you in this fallen world, that our lives would be surrendered daily, that we would offer ourselves as, as a living sacrifice, that we would live in holiness and conduct ourselves as we ought to, seeing that we have these glorious promises. Lord, as we close tonight's service, I pray that you would prepare our hearts for Sunday as we celebrate together the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. As they walked, Jesus said to his disciples, You will all desert me this very night. So it is written in the prophet Zechariah, Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Then Peter protested, Though all desert, I will remain by you. Jesus replied, I tell you truly that in this very night, before the cock crows twice, you shall deny me three times. Still Peter maintained, Even though I must die with you, I will never deny you. And so declared all the disciples. Jesus halted at an olive grove called Gethsemane. Then going apart with Peter, James, and John, he left them on watch and continued a little farther alone. There he fell on his face in anguished prayer. Soon he returned to the three on watch and found them sleeping. Rousing them, he asked Peter, Could you not watch with me for just one hour? Watch and pray that you are not put to the test, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, Jesus went apart in troubled prayer, and again he returned to find the disciples sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. A third time Jesus withdrew to pray, and a third time he found the disciples sleeping. Then Jesus said, Sleep on and finish your rest. Now is the time for the Son of Man to be delivered into the hands of sinners. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus had not finished speaking before Judas, one of his own disciples, arrived with a group of Roman soldiers and other armed men from the temple. Now the betrayer had arranged with the authorities for a sign and had said, The man whom I kiss is the one you want. In accord with this arrangement, Judas went directly to Jesus and cried out, Greetings, Master. Then he gave him the kiss. Jesus responded, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Immediately the soldiers laid hands on Jesus and held him fast. Then one of the disciples with Jesus drew his sword and cut off an ear from the slave of the high priest. But Jesus said to him, Sheathe your sword. All who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Do you not know that I can call upon my Father, and that he will respond at once with more than twelve legions of angels? Then turning to the mob, Jesus continued, Have you come for me as against a rebel bandit with swords and clubs? Why did you not seize me in the temple where I sat teaching by day? Were you so afraid of the religious authorities that you must come for me by stealth? Nevertheless, your actions are fulfilling the words of the prophets. Then all of his disciples forsook him and fled. 
Those who had seized Jesus brought him to Caiaphas, whom the Romans had made a high priest. Peter followed at a distance as far as the courtyard. There he sat with the attendants and warmed himself by the fire. The high priest had gathered his whole council, and they began to arrange the case against Jesus, which they would present to Pontius Pilate, the governor. The charge was that Jesus claimed to be king of the Jews, and they brought in many false witnesses, but to no avail. Finally, two came forward and testified, We heard this man say, I will tear down this temple made with hands, and within three days build another not made with hands. The testimony was evidence that Jesus claimed an authority over temple affairs which traditionally belonged only to the rulers of Israel, and in those days Israel was ruled from Rome. Yet even these witnesses were unable to agree on their testimony. Finally, Caiaphas stood up and examined Jesus directly. Have you no answer to these charges, demanded the high priest? Jesus remained silent and answered nothing. Then the high priest put the question of kingship in terms of royal titles, anointed and son of God. Are you the anointed one, the son of the blessed, he probed? Jesus answered, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man seated on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. The high priest turned and said, What need have we of witnesses? He has condemned himself. They all concurred that Jesus was indeed worthy of death. Then those holding Jesus began to spit on him. They covered his face and were striking him as they taunted him and said, O oh, anointed one, prophesy who is striking you. Now Peter was warming himself in the courtyard when a small slave girl entered. She confronted Peter and said, You also were with this Jesus the Nazarene. Peter quickly gave a denial. I do not know what you're talking about, he replied and went outside into the gateway. Meanwhile, the rooster crowed. The slave girl followed Peter out and said to the bystanders, This man is one of them. Again, Peter denied knowing Jesus. After a little while, the bystanders said directly to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you speak with a Galilean accent. Then Peter began to swear with an oath, I do not know this person of whom you are speaking. But the rooster interrupted him as it crowed for the second time. Immediately, Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. He went out and wept bitterly. When morning arrived, all of the chief priests, along with the other Roman collaborators, bound Jesus and delivered him over to Pontius Pilate, the imperial Roman governor. When Judas saw what was happening, he knew that Jesus was doomed, and he repented. He returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and confessed, I have sinned in betraying innocent blood. What is that to us? They responded, that is your affair. Judas threw down the 30 pieces of silver in the temple. Then he went out and hanged himself. Picking up the silver pieces, the chief priest said, it is unlawful to put this silver into the treasury for it is blood money. Whereupon they used the money 
to buy the potter's field for the burial of strangers. Therefore, that field is known to this day as the field of blood. Jesus stood before the Roman governor as the accusers made their charge. We found this man perverting our nation, they said. He was forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor and proclaiming himself anointed king. The governor asked, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, you have said so. The chief priests were accusing him of many things. Therefore, Pilate again spoke to Jesus, have you no answer to give? He asked, look at how many accusations they are making. Jesus astonished Pilate by remaining silent. At the feast of the Passover, the governor used to release a prisoner, and some were urging Pilate to do so at this time. Now there was a notable rebel in prison with those who had committed murder during the insurrection. His name was Barabbas. Therefore, the chief priests arranged a demonstration to demand Barabbas. Pilate asked them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, the anointed one? The demonstrator shouted, Barabbas. Pilate responded, What shall I do then with Jesus, the anointed one? The crowd shouted, Crucify him. Pilate continued, are you certain of his guilt? The crowd took up the chant, crucify him, crucify him. Again, Pilate spoke, shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, cried the demonstrators. Then Pilate agreed to release Barabbas, but Jesus the anointed one, he handed over to his soldiers for scourging and crucifixion. The soldiers led Jesus away within the governor's palace. There they assembled the whole battalion. They clothed Jesus in royal purple. They set a crown of thorns upon his head and shoved a reed between his fingers for a scepter. They began to mock him by kneeling before him and proclaiming, Hail, King of the Jews! They also spat on him and smote him on the head with a stick. Then after mocking him, they took away the purple robe, returned his own clothes, and brought him out to crucify him. On the road, they met Simon of Cyrene coming in from the countryside. They compelled him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means skull. There, they crucified him. They offered him wine mingled with myrrh, but he refused it. His garments they divided among themselves, casting lots for them. Over his head they inscribed the charge against him, the king of the Jews. Also, there were two insurrectionists crucified with him, one to his right and one to his left. Those who passed by were shaking their heads in scorn and saying, So you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. Likewise, the priestly collaborators mocked him as they said to one another, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the anointed one, the king of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Even the two crucified with him reviled him. Now from midday, there was darkness over the whole land 
until three in the afternoon. At that hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders said, look, he is calling for Elijah. One of them put a sponge full of vinegar on a stick and laid it to his lips. Others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus, having uttered a loud cry, breathed his last breath. Suddenly, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. Even the tombs of the dead were opened. Now when the centurion on watch and the others who were with him saw all that was taking place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, 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 oh,
causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Oh, 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 sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? May Jesus Christ who for our sake became obedient to death, yes, even death on a cross, keep you and strengthen you this night and forevermore. Amen.